This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market, and I got a really good episode here to discuss with you today. I got an email from a guy, and I'm using the name, good Florida redneck name, Big Chuck. And Chuck is a new trader here, and one of the things that is really overwhelming him is he doesn't really know where to start. There's so much information, there's so many ideas, and there's so many opinions that he's getting caught all up in it, and he's not sure what to listen to, who to listen to, and what to take serious, what to apply to his trading, and what not to apply. And for today's episode, I got a bourbon that I'm going to be drinking. It's called Old Granddad 114. 114 proof is what that stands for. Let me tell you, it does not disappoint in the realm of hotness. I mean, it's hot to the nose. It's hot to the lips. And when you drink it, it is all you taste is hotness. I mean, this sucker comes in hot the whole way through and it leaves hot. And I saw this bottle, and I've seen a lot of people talk about it. It's like a $31 bottle. And again, 57% alcohol, 114 proof. But it doesn't have a lot of substance to it. And honestly, the way that I view it is I think it works better as an old-fashioned mixer. Use it with your old fashions. Now, I make a pretty good old-fashioned, and I've I've improved it over the years. I, I, I really like it. And the bourbon that I use in my old-fashions is the nine-year Knob Creek. I don't like to drink Knob Creek by itself, or at least that particular bourbon. But I love to put it in my old-fashioned. It comes in hot, too. I mean, it is really spicy, very peppery. There's not a lot of flavor to it. I won't drink it by itself. I won't even drink it on the rocks. But what I do is I put it in my old fashioned. And so I said to myself, man, I really don't like this old granddad 114. Maybe it'll work in this old fashioned because the bourbon that I use for my old fashioned is very hot, just like this, very similar profile. So I used it. It was pretty good. I would probably say that it was better than what I was using when I put the Knob Creek 9-year in, and that's what I always use. So it was pretty good. I think it's a great bourbon to use for making old fashions because you have that simple syrup. I use like three-eighths of an ounce of simple syrup, and that will mellow it out a lot while still giving you a drink with a solid proof to it. But my score for this old granddad by itself is a 4.3. Yes, it's very low. I am not a fan of it. I would buy it again simply for the old fashions, but I would never buy it unless I'm going to use it for a friend that I don't want to give good bourbon to. (laughs) So let's get started with Big Chuck's email. He says, I hope this email finds you well. I'm relatively new to trading. Jumped in last year after the COVID crash and I'm actively trying to learn and improve. I stumbled across your podcast a few months ago and have listened to every episode since. Has anybody noticed that almost everybody stumbles across it? I don't know what exactly that means. I guess it's like it's just like show up in your, your search engine or recommendations. I don't know. I'm just always curious because a lot of people just stumble across it, which is good. I'm glad you guys find it one way or the other. But anyways, Big Chuck continues with, I want to say first off that I love it and appreciate the podcast and your desire to help others. Now, onto my question. This far, I have found trading 
and the stock market in general to be a little overwhelming. Do I start by learning technical analysis or fundamental analysis? How do I begin to go through the sea of stocks to find an investment opportunity? Am I a day trader, swing trader, or a long-term investor? Should I YOLO on GME? Don't worry, I didn't. I've read some articles and some training videos through my brokers, started listening to some podcasts such as yours, read some books, and followed some legit investors on places like StockTwits, yourself included. I have heard over and over again that I need to manage risk and also have to have a plan and stick to it. My question is simply this. How does one develop a plan? What does that look like? I know that I need one as I am not managing my risk very well. For instance, I have been in Rocket, RKT, since shortly after the IPO came out and was up nearly $8,000 on March 2nd. No margin whatsoever being used. But but I kept wondering if it would go higher and I did not have a plan in place. So instead of walking away with $8,000, I got out the next day for $1,200 or a 7% gain. I know I should have been more disciplined. And now I realize that I absolutely need a plan if I'm going to be successful. But I'm not sure how to develop one. Any advice? Thanks for all you do. Big Chuck. We got a lot to talk about here, Big Chuck. First of all, he wants to know, do I go into fundamental analysis or do I start learning about technical analysis? Let me just tell you, fundamental analysis, there's very little edge in fundamental analysis because all of that information is public and most people, if there's an edge to be found in it, they're already writing about it, blogging about it. It's not like the 60s and 70s where sometimes you could find these hidden gems that nobody else was talking about because Back then, there wasn't really a big medium to put your opinions out there on. Somebody's probably already written about it. So I'm not a huge fan of fundamental analysis. And we tend to fall in love with stocks that we do the fundamental analysis on. And then we just start seeing what we really want to see. And that can be true as well with technical analysis. And you got to guard against that as well. But I mean, think about it. I don't even have to look at the fundamentals. Does Apple got good fundamentals? Yeah, they got good fundamentals. Does Microsoft have good fundamentals? Yeah, sure. They got good fundamentals. So does NVIDIA. So I, I mean, you got all these companies out there. They have good fundamentals. But does that necessarily make them a company worth buying right now? Does that make it a good setup from a technical standpoint? At this moment of this podcast, Apple kind of looks sick. It looks like it might be rolling over. It's breaking some trend lines. So no, I, I'm not a huge fan of fundamental analysis. Don't even think you really need to learn it. I mean, I took the accounting classes. I got a MBA and all that stuff. I don't use fundamental analysis for anything. I always view fundamental analysis for the most part as something that your financial advisors like to point to and talk about. Like, yeah, they got a good balance sheet. They got a lot of cash on hand. The future's looking really bright. That's kind of like what a financial advisor will tell you if you go into their office. I mean, it's just people talk about it, but very few people actually do it or even use it in a successful way. So for me, I always feel like, too, that you've got like Goldman Sachs out there. You've got Bank of America and Merrill Lynch, and you've got all these big firms. And they got teams of people pouring through the financials. So it's going to be very hard to outperform people who are being trained to go through it on a regular basis. And there's like teams dedicated to the stock like Apple. But you also got to know your trader type too. I mean, are you going to be a swing trader? Are you going to be a long-term investor? Because they're very different things. And if you're trying to get into day trading, I would tell most people don't even bother with it. Here's the thing about day trading. It sounds sexy. People like to throw it around. Hey, I'm a day trader. You say you're a swing trader. People are like, huh? What is that? I always have to tell people what it is. I always simplify it for them. I'm like, hey, it's kind of like in between a day trader and a long-term investor. Right in between there, you got your swing trader. Now, it's a little bit more descriptive than that, but that's usually what I use for the layman terms. But day trading, the reason why I don't really encourage people to do that is because you're usually getting very small gains, right? You're not holding overnight for those overnight gains, which can also be overnight losses too. And yes, I know the risk is off the table at that point, but so much of the market's movement happens after hours. So when regular market hours are closed, you're missing out on the other 17 half hours that the market is not open. 
And with day trading, it only takes one trade to wipe out just scores of good, successful trades. And the reason why I say that is because we get these like steady gains. Hey, we made 5% on this trade, 3% on this trade, 4% on this trade. Then you have that one trade on that one bad day that goes down 10%. You're like, I'm not selling this. It'll come right back up. You get lackadaisical and you have one bad trade. And then all of a sudden you're down 20% on that stock and it just throws everything off. So not a huge fan of day trading, especially for people starting out, just completely do away that. Now, long-term investing, that's going to be something that you don't do a lot of. I don't know why people would be making long-term investments right now in the stock market. I'm not doing it. I'm waiting for a big pullback. Why would I do it when the market's just trading at ridiculous all-time highs? Maybe it still keeps going higher, but I would rather see a dramatic pullback at some point in the future where I'm afforded an opportunity to get long on some really cheap stocks. Right now, we don't have that. We've had like a 9% correction or so in the NASDAQ. That's not enough. But what is enough is swingtradingthestockmarket.com. You can go there. You get all my market research each and every day. What you're going to get is multiple updates on the S&P 500, the NASDAQ 100, and the Russell 2000. You get those multiple times each week. Also, you're going to get updates on all the FANG stocks, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, Microsoft, Tesla, each week. And you're going to get my updated watch lists, my master watch lists, the ones that I'm bullish on, the stocks that I'm bearish on. You're going to get those updated twice a week and daily setups each and every day. The stocks that I'm looking at trading each and every day. Also, some of the more intriguing charts that I come across, whether they be about a trade setup or whether it's just like about a market development as a whole, I'm going to be sending those out to you as well. So go to swingtradingthestockmarket.com and sign up there today. So Big Chuck also wants to know, what does a trading plan look like? And so one of the things that I pride myself on with this podcast is trying to keep things simple. And I also feel that trading is done right when it's kept simple. And that's probably the, the case for most things in life. When we start complicating it, when we start making it too difficult or put a whole bunch of moving parts in there, that's when things get muddied up and the water gets murky. I want to keep it simple. I want to keep it pure. So what does a trading plan look like? Well, it has a method for managing the profits and it has a method for managing the risks, particularly the losses, because where people get themselves in trouble is not for the lack of profits that they can make on a trade, but it's about how they manage those losses because they go and they go and they go and they keep making profits and they start thinking that this is easy. And there's a lot of people out there that are starting to realize, hey, trading's not that easy. Heard a lot of people throwing in the towels this past week on their Discord chat rooms and everything else because it's not easy. You go through these times like right now where your inclination is going to be to do something and really not doing anything is the best course that you can take for yourself in the stock market. When things are going really bad or when things are getting ugly, doing less is oftentimes the best solution. So you got to have a method for managing the profits. This guy, he was in RKT. He was up $8,000 without even using margin and he only walked away with $1,200 or a 7% gain. Still, on the surface, good trade. You made $1,200, 7% profit. I'd also tell the guy to quit worrying about the dollars, focus on the trade itself, not how much more money you think you can make or how much higher it might go if you're not in the trade. I see people say, hey, I was up $8,000. That tells me they're dollar watching. They're personalizing these trades. Big Chuck got up $8,000. And while on a normal day, he'd be thrilled being up $8,000, he started fantasizing saying to himself, what if RKT goes to the moon? What if it goes up like GME does? Because RKT, it went up like 71% in one day, and then it just completely crashed the following days. And that's what he got himself caught in. So what would have been the right way to manage a stock that just moved 71% up, just going absolutely bonkers? It would have been to take some profits along the way. 
you're up 30, 40%. Yeah, that might be a time to start taking some profits off, usually before them. But this thing was gapping up quite a bit. So if you're up 20, 30%, that might be time to take a little bit off the table. Protect the profits because you don't know how high a stock's going to run, but you want to give it as much opportunity as you can to let it run as high as it wants. Now, that's kind of like what Big Chuck was doing. The problem was is he wasn't selling anything along the way. You don't need to attempt to make max profit on your entire position. By taking profits along the way, it gives you the latitude to be able to stretch that stock out a little bit longer. And yes, you would have been stopped out the next day after it made that phenomenal 71% run. But the day of that run, you probably were taking some profits. Hey, I'll take a third off with a 30% profit here. I'll take another third off when it kept going higher at maybe 60% higher on the day. Hey, let's go take another third off there. And then you're left with a third of a position that starts to pull back. But that night you should have sat down and said, okay, where's the line in the sand? Where's the stop loss at? It's such a big move that you'd have to use intraday charts, probably like a 15 or a 10 minute chart to figure out where's the line in the sand? Where will I cut my line and, and get out of the trade? That's what Big Chuck should have been doing. So that all goes back to your trading plan, managing the profits, taking partial profits along the way, managing the risk. And, and look, we got free commissions. It's not like you're going to be killing yourself with commissions by taking some profits off the table. Even if you had three shares of RKT, you could have sold in thirds. That'd have been $75 position, but you could still manage the risk just like a person with a lot more money could be. Now, part of that trading plan too would be whether you're in Rocket or something else. If the stock goes against you, where are you getting out at? Why would you be getting out? That's another question. I don't even really talk about that much on the podcast, but why are you getting out at that area? What is the reason for? Is there a logical reason? If there's not, that's not a good place to put a stop loss. For me, it's usually, okay, it's breaking a key trend line, breaking a key level support to where if it breaks that level, something is wrong on the stock and I don't want to be a part of it anymore. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. But that's what Big Chuck has got to be doing here. He's got to be looking at these trade setups. Okay, how am I going to manage the risk if I'm fortunate enough for it to go up? How am I going to manage the risk if the stock goes against me? And just assume that it's going to go against you. I assume every one of my trades are going to be losers. And you got to. If I'm right, and I've said this before too, if I'm right, I'm lucky. But if I'm wrong, I got to be prepared for that. It's probably my fault. Look, there's, there shouldn't be anything too magical about a trading plan. Stocks go up, stocks go down. You're basically managing the trade, the profits for when the stock goes up. This is how I'm going to manage it when the stock goes down or when I'm in a trade that goes down. This is how I'm going to manage the losses. That should be the key elements of your trading plan. Now, yes, why are you getting into the trade? Is it breaking out? Is it bouncing? That's also another important question. What are you going to be going after? So I'm trying to simplify this as much as possible. Nothing else, not to necessarily map out a very detailed trading plan for you because I can't. It's got to be unique to each person, but to get you started in the right direction, asking the questions that you need to be asking yourself. And again, don't overwhelm yourself with a ton of information. Again, I'm hoping that this podcast episode is simplifying the process for you, not making it more overwhelming for you. But what I want you to do is to get rid of a lot of the noise. If people are just telling you about their gains and about their big winners and stuff like that, and they're telling you stuff after the fact, get rid of them. I was following a guy on TikTok this past week. I had to just get rid of the dude. I was so tired of listening to him brag. He was like bragging this past week. He was like, hey, I got into GameStop at $3 back in December. And now he's just now telling you about it. It's like all of a sudden he wants to be like, worshipped. And there's so many of those people out there that want to be worshipped on Twitter because that's how they think they can get massive amounts of followers by looking like they got a crystal ball when they're trading. So eliminate a lot of that noise. When people are just constantly spiking the footballs, just get rid of them, okay? But there are some good people to follow out there. There's some good information that you can find out there. I'm on social media at SharePlanner. 
And the memes are great too. Got to follow a couple of good meme people. I have some memes on my Instagram account that I like to post. Because when you get a lot of information too, it's going to overwhelm you to the point where you're going to be paralyzed to make a trade. You're never going to have confidence in your methodology because if you put too many indicators or too many oscillators or too many moving averages, there's always going to be a reason not to get into the stock. So you want to minimize your dependence on indicators in general. Mine, price and volume, that's really all I look at. I have moving averages on my chart and I pay attention to the moving averages when a stock chart pays attention to the moving averages. If I constantly see it bouncing off the 20 or the 50 day moving average. Okay, I'll pay attention to that. I'll know that that's some support there. It consistently buys the dip off of a 20-day moving average. Yeah, I'll definitely take note of that. But overall, I'm not muddying up my charts with tons and tons of indicators. I'll have a lot of drawings on there and stuff like that over from over the years. Like if you look at my Apple chart, I've got chart notes going all the way back to 2006, but I don't have a lot of indicators. So to summarize it, hey, have a plan for managing your profits. Have a plan for managing the risk on your trades. Those are two important elements, right? Also, don't overwhelm yourself with too much information. Everybody's got a different take on this market. There's a lot of good information out there, but don't be controlled by it. You've got to be able to trade what's going to make you comfortable. You've got to trade the right style. Most people, if they're wanting to trade the market, should be swing traders, not day traders, because day trading is just a world of problems when you have that one trade that goes against you. Long-term investing, completely another different animal. That's something that you really need to take advantage of when there's really good buying opportunities for the long run. There's not a lot of those right now because everything's trading at insane valuations. So Big Chuck, he gives me a good email today. I appreciate Big Chuck. And likewise, if you guys have any questions, feel free to send them to me, ryan at sharepointer.com. I'm doing these twice a week. I'm always answering y'all's emails. And make sure to leave a five-star review if you could. Those mean the world to me. It also is like gold in the podcast world. So make sure to go to your preferred platform, subscribe or leave a review, whatever they offer. If they offer both, do both. And thank you in advance for doing that. Again, guys, I appreciate the emails, the questions. Keep them coming and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePointer Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to SharePointer.com slash trading block. That's www.SharePointer.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePointer's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon. Thank you.